everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 23, and it gives me great pleasure to uh, have as our guest on the 23rd episode of the Red and White Authority, uh, Kirk Malpe, uh, former uh, Grindliner, former Red Wing, four-time Stanley Cup champion. I could go on and on and on, and currently a pro scout, I believe is his proper title, for the Detroit Red Wings. Kirk, it's always uh, great to see you, and uh, thank you for doing this. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to do this, and uh, it's going to be nice to reminisce a little bit. Well, it will be nice to reminisce, and I, I you're the last Grindliner to to be on the show. Um, I, I know Joey we've had on, well, I can name them all off, but in a way I think it's almost appropriate because you're pretty much the embodiment of what the grind line <laughs> was all about. You were a, a, a complete hockey player, not that the other guys weren't, they certainly yeah. were, but uh, yeah, I go back to the time, and I think you know even the Free Press wrote a column about it. In the playoffs, I think you were killing off a penalty where the crowd started chanting <laughs> your name. So, uh, I mean, your career in Detroit was really, uh, not only were you on a line that was colorful, uh, it was also a line that really chipped in uh, at the most appropriate times. Whatever the Red Wings needed, you guys provided. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, my career kind of, I really was at a loss uh, of where my career was going when I got traded here in 96, coming from a, a team in Edmonton, a very young team in Edmonton that was on the brink of starting to make the playoffs. Uh, we weren't very strong yet, but we were close and had a good young core, and then I get traded on the deadline in 96 for Dan McGillis, and I wasn't sure why. Uh, coming to a team at that time, they were setting records for points and wins in a season and I just didn't know where you know where I would fit in on this team and um, you know I was in and out of the lineup that whole first year of, of coming here we end up losing to Colorado in the in the conference finals uh, in, in six games that's the the infamous infamous game where where Lemieux hit drapes from behind um, you know so you know really put my nose to the grind in the summer and and, and worked out but still wasn't sure how the how it was gonna work out in the fall and and when um, you know, training camp came along. I started the season with the team. I, I got hurt early in the season, uh, in and out of the lineup again, and then all of a sudden we signed this guy, well, who I knew, Joey Kosher, from the beer leagues, and I thought that was kind of the writing on the wall for me. But uh, at the end of the day, it worked out where we got put on a line together, where he was on the right, I played the left, and they put Chris in the middle, and it was just kind of it snowballed from there. I want to go back to Edmonton before we, we, we really get into your Red Wing career uh, because – uh, you had an eye injury. Yeah. Um, I think it was Louis DeBrusque. Yeah. Who followed through during practice on a shot and caught you in the eye. Uh, it's a it's a great story from this standpoint is is that you didn't lose your yeah, eye and perfect. you could have yeah, yeah, and you yeah, could have yeah, yeah. you recuperated for a couple months. You come back. Ronnie Lowe, who was a one of my favorites growing yeah. up because he was a Red Wing goalie who actually beat the Montreal Canadiens in a playoff game yeah. in Montreal, and then that was it. The Canadiens <laughs> crushed him. Uh, I think Scotty was the coach, by the way. But anyway, my, my point being is is the eye injury, you come back, you think Lowe is – you're in Pittsburgh. Lowe's yeah. going to tell you, hey, how you doing, Maltz? Great to see you. And he tells you you're traded to Detroit. Go back to that eye injury because that resulted in you wearing a visor, yeah. which was always a bone of contention during your <laughs> playing career. Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, just because of the way I played. But, yeah, I was in a practice, and, and like I said, in Edmonton, we were on the kind of the brink of making the playoffs, but we were still not a very good team. And we were going through a stretch where we were playing very poorly, and, and then all of a sudden I think – Ronnie Lowe 
was starting to give us two a days. We were starting two a days, and we were like in the middle of the season, and he was kind of a maniac. Yeah, he was old school for sure. <laughs> right, and, right, right. Uh, so we were doing a, a, a drill. It was kind of a one on one drill, and, and it was a complete accident. He couldn't try and do it if he tried. But I was chasing Louis with the puck. He he got the puck and he spun around, and like you said, his follow through came up and got me in the eye. Had I had worn a shield right from the beginning, it probably wouldn't have happened. But um, and at first we thought it was just a cut on the eye eyelid or whatever. But when the trainer got me in the room and he was able to open my eye he realized I had some damage going on there so you know three days in the hospital and and you know guys were joking that's a tough way to get out of two a days but you know <laughs> you know trust me I didn't want it to happen but yeah you know putting the shield on I had to put it on for the sake of my eye um you know it's eyes are a lot different than your knees and shoulders and things like that but um you know worked my butt off to get back into shape and went down for conditioning four days uh, four games conditioning down Cape Breton which was uh which was Edmonton's farm team at the time and you know so on the day I got called back up it was the day of the deadline trade deadline and the team was in Pittsburgh so I had to truck all the way from Cape Breton Nova Scotia to Pittsburgh and I'm sure you've been there it's not the closest arena downtown to the airport so I had luggage and equipment and sticks and making my way there and trying to get there in time for practice and when I get there Ronnie Lowe pulls me aside and I thought he was just gonna ask me you know how did it go you know you how do you feel this and that uh, but he caught me off guard and said that I'd been traded to Detroit so at the, at the time very confused and upset you know I made a lot of friends didn't want to get traded but uh, you know, but wearing the shield and, and coming to Detroit and then being part of the grind line and, 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 and playing the way I did like you said obviously a lot of people uh, you know I got every time I got if I had a nickel for every time I was told take the shield off or you you know what you know right. this or that I, I I wouldn't have had to sign another contract you know I would have been a billionaire so but you know at the end of the day I, I chose to wear it because of the safety and I can't even tell you how many times I got I was replacing that shield because of sticks and and whatever so um, I still wear a shield today partially because of the reflection of the light I still have a little issues with light but nothing I I mean I, if it's not a hundred percent it's ninety five percent so I'm I got very very lucky with that and. And definitely do not regret uh, wearing the shield. And actually, wearing the shield, I think, kind of pissed people off even more. Now. So I think it actually drew a few more, few more penalties for us. Well, when you look at it that way, because, but you came to the realization, as much as you wanted to be a hockey player, I mean, that's all you ever wanted to be, I know that, that, hey, if I can't play again, at least, like, I, I it's, it, I'd rather not play as long as I have my sight. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, earlier that year we had a guy, uh, Dan McGill, we got in a trade from um, from uh, Philly, I believe, he was a defensive big guy, coaches in Owen Sound now, he took a puck in the eye early in the year, and he didn't lose his eye outright, but he's legally blind in his one eye now, and that was from a puck, so, um, so I think with that being fresh in my memory, and then my incident happening, and knowing where I was, uh, I just, you know what, I've <laughs> never been accused of being too smart, but I, I made the, the right and the smart decision then and, and uh, putting the shield on, you know, people can love it, hate it or whatever, but it was in my best interest. You get to Detroit, you say you're a little bit confused, yeah. you, know, I, you know, you're on a great team, it's, it's, it's setting the record for, for the most wins, second all-time in points, uh, the team would finish up. You're trying to figure out what your role is, why Detroit? Uh, in a way, it's not as bad as Chris Draper when he no. said, when he, well, how he got, I love this line. He said, when he got traded to the Red Wings, he said, I couldn't make the Winnipeg Jets. How am I going to make the Detroit Red Wings? But 
Scotty Bowman wanted you. Yeah. He wanted you based on an incident that he <laughs> saw, or that's the story. That's the hearsay. That's that's uh, if you want to call it the the legend or the urban legend. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I was still playing in Edmonton. Detroit came through, and and obviously there's always been rumors out there with Scotty with certain players that he's coached over his career that he didn't. And it wasn't just. You know, fourth line guys or, or or guys that couldn't really play. It was with some star players, and um, apparently, you know, he, he wasn't the biggest fan of Paul Coffey, and obviously, he would have had Paul in Pittsburgh briefly as well. Okay. So, but um, you know, during a game in against Detroit in 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 Edmonton, uh, I actually I caught Paul on 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 the on the rails and and absolutely steamrolled him and. At the time, I, my first thought was when I realized what I did was, where's McCarty, where's Prober, because he was still playing in Detroit, where's LaPointe, and I'm like, I'm going to, you know, and thank God it was, nothing happened out of it, um, but that's what I was told was the, that uh, Scotty loved the fact that I, 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 I threw that hit, and, and I don't think he wanted Paul to be hurt or anything, and Paul was fine, but, uh, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, even though I didn't know why I came to Detroit, but if that is kind of the reason, and, and obviously I played for Scotty for a long time, so he must have liked something that I was doing, regardless if it was that or not. But, um, but yeah, it uh, that's what I was told kind of uh, out of the get go that uh, that was kind of what got the snowball, got the ball going with uh, getting me traded here. Everybody has unique Scotty stories and, <laughs> and things about him. Uh, you know, I've said this on the Red and White Authority before. I, I believe he's the greatest coach in all of professional sport. I, I just think that his record is is incredible. And I know there's been some great coaches. I grew up admiring John Wooden, and uh, you know, I, I can bit, sort of remember Vince Lombardi and with yeah. the legend that he was. Of course, you know, Detroit's been blessed. But you know, Bo Schembechler, yeah. Tom Izzo, we can go on and on and on. But Scotty's the exception. Scotty is odd. He did treat each player differently. Yeah. How was your relationship with him? Did he talk to you a lot? Did he call you in? Uh, you know, Kevin Hodson says he talked to him one time for like 10 minutes, and then that was it. Yeah. yeah I think we've talked more in this interview than me and Scotty did the entire time I played for him. Uh, yeah, he wasn't – I don't think there was too many players in general that he had, like, real conversations with on a regular basis all the time. Um, Scotty was the coach, we were the players, and that's kind of how it was. He kind of, a lot of times, sent his message or whatever words or whatever he wanted to get out there through Dave and Barry. And uh, um, the one, the one, the one thing we we had when we lost against Colorado the one year, and uh, I forget which year it was now, but it was before the O2 Cup, and and and. Dave Andrzejczyk scored it. We were on me and Drapes were on the on the ice, and the puck was in, and there was a shot going went in the air, and Dave Andrzejczyk made an unbelievable eye hand coordination, batted the puck in the net out of out of uh, the air, and scored a goal, which I believe it might have been the game winning goal at the end of the day. So long story short, fa fast forward to the next season, training camp, exhibition season, start of the season. Scotty has a team meeting before the season starts. And he just says, you know what, we're, we're, everything's, what happened in the past, we're letting it go, everyone's starting fresh, we're going to, you know, let's go on and have a good start to the season, let's make another run, you know, so forth, so forth. Right. So the meeting's over, everyone starts getting their stuff on to go on the ice for practice, well, here comes Barry Smith, Drapes, Maltz, Scotty wants to talk to you guys, we're like, oh, okay, you know, didn't know what it was, you know. So we go in, shut the door, shut the door, he's sitting in his chair, we sit down, he's like, 
you two ruined my summer. You two ruined my summer. He goes, that goal, that goal, that should never, you know. So he went on and went on. He goes, get out of here. And we're like, so we walk out the door. We look at each other. And we're like, wow, so much for a clean slate. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we he Scotty still played us, and 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 I think it was just I think it was his way of letting us know. I don't, I don't know if he he wanted to blame us, but he just kind of let us know that that he didn't like the goal he didn't like the way it happened I, I can't remember all the details but him and james and i are kind of like i mean he made a heck of a play batting it in out of the air off a rebound and um anybody could have been on the ice for it but of course it was him and i were on it so it was but but i mean scotty was very fair to me uh you know i think he kept me on my toes i i did get scratched a few times here and there uh when he thought maybe i wasn't playing well enough but um but i think that uh, knowing that is was what kept me motivated to try you know, he, and Scotty's a realist. He knows you're not going to play your best game every night. I think every good coach should know that. But uh, he recognized, too, when players were maybe going through the motions a little bit, and I think that's where some of his his um, dislike or whatever came for certain players through his career. How intimidating was it for you? Because uh, even though you're a gregarious guy, you know, I've known you for years, we, we, we always talk, and uh, uh, you're a great conversationalist. I don't think you give yourself that much credit. <laughs> But you walk into a room that has almost a who's who of hockey in it, the Red Wing room, you're quiet, you're shy, you're confused, you're disappointed, and bam, you're a Red Wing. Uh, what was that transition like no, for you? Well, that was another part of the whole, like, where do I fit in? I, I didn't know anybody. Um, I, you know, it was, it was my third year playing in the NHL that I got traded here. Uh, and like you said, the who's who of hockey are playing here. You got the, the arguably the best coach ever coached the game, uh, it, you know, is our head coach. And I, um, I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't play with anybody during the junior, during my junior career in Edmonton. Uh, I come from a small town in Ontario that, uh, you know, I, you know, we were like a double B that would play like team, other organizations, third and fourth team. So like we didn't play like the, the, the high end AAA team. So I just didn't know anybody other than watching them on TV or playing against them during our, my time in Edmonton. So, so that was a little bit of, 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 a, of, a, of an obstacle I had to get around to. But you know what? The guys were great. They came in, everyone introduced themselves and said hi and, you know, you know welcome to the team. Jumped right into practice. First road trip was to California, you know, went for dinners with the guys and, and they made me feel welcome right away so um you know for the statue of the team and the stature of some of the players uh i really kind of even though i still didn't know where my career was going what path but at the end of the day i felt like i was part of the team but it's interesting even though drapes wasn't uh drafted by detroit and we all know the famous yeah. story for a for a buck he comes to, to to the red wings yeah he had some time in adirondack and there yeah. was a group a core group of red wings who who won a call? Uh, I guess it was the Calder Cup, yeah. or uh, yeah. in Adirondack, and they were a championship team, and there was a bond there. Yet, is it more because you were right around their same age? Because you stepped in there. I think people always assumed that you were part of the Red Wing organization from the beginning because yeah. you assimilated yourself so yeah. well. I mean, I knew that you played for Edmonton. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I was, I followed your career. I knew exactly who you were uh, when the Red Wings draft, or pardon me, when they traded for you, but you, you kind of did assimilate really kind of quickly. Well, yeah, I was pretty fortunate with, you know, even though we had the Stevies and the Sergeys and Lidstroms and Coffee and Cicero, I mean, it can go on and on and on. <laughs> right. and on. Um, but we did, you know, we still, there was Chris Osgood, Chris Draper, Darren McCarty, Marty LaPointe, Matthew Danano. So we still, they still had a good core of younger guys right in my age range, give or take a year. 
and so even though I didn't know them personally, I played junior against Mac uh, when he was in Belleville, but he was in the other conference, so it was only a home and home type of thing. But you know, I, I knew obviously I knew of all all the guys, right. um, so that that really helped, and and just I got I got a lot of people that didn't actually realize they played for Edmonton, not from the team, but people that asked where I'm from. They thought I was from Edmonton originally and not played in Edmonton, so which is not a big deal. I mean, it's like still today I get called Chris sometimes. You know, me and Drapes look nothing alike, but I think people just associate us together so much that I still get it at times. But, um, but yeah, no, the guys were great, and, and you could see the will, the want, the desire as an organization, especially because of the year previous, getting beat by the Devils in the finals and the expert. I, I had played on the team at Edmonton for three years. Coming off of, of my rookie year in the minors, my first year pro, we won the Calder Cup, made the team the next year, and expectations were nil because we were young and growing team where now I come to a team where expectations aren't just to make the playoffs or 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 you know win the conference it's like get to the finals and win and it was I you know it, it was a lot of fun for me because I'd never been a part of that at that level but um but yeah it, the guys were great you could see the focus and, and just the the just the passion that everyone was trying to get to that one goal you know if I don't ask you this I know I'm going to hear uh-huh. about it from the fans that listen to this podcast it's it well, it, it's not bad. It, is that you crush Paul co- Coffee? You go into a room, and now you're suddenly teammates. <laughs> is there ever a discussion where he says, "Wow, you really nailed me that time," or is that just your pros? That's just part of the game. That's the beauty of hockey. Is there's been many, many times. So really, to, to backtrack on that, the the game that it happened in. Uh, it happened in Edmonton. Detroit was obviously doing their West Coast, Western Canada swing, and they spent the night in Edmonton that night. And we actually went out for some beers afterwards. Some, me and some of my Oilers <clears throat> teammates. And sure as heck, here comes some of the the Red Wings, and one of them is Paul Coffey. And I had never met him before either. So, uh, you know, I had some guys like Doug Waite and Shane Corson who had been in the league and played with some of these other guys. So, you know, everyone kind of got introducing. And after about five or so minutes, you know, Paul was there, and he, he introduced me, and he jokingly said, don't ever hit me hard like that that hard again in your life, you know. It was something along those lines, and it was a joke. I'm sorry, Mr. Coffey, and, and, you know, but it was like, yeah. And then we had a beer, we cheers, and we didn't hang out the whole night, but they were there. But that's the beauty of hockey, I, and I can't speak really on behalf of the other sports, but we've, we've had many times in Detroit where we've had a game, a, a tough game, and maybe some chippiness, something happened, it could have been, you know, whatever, and we go out for a few beers or something afterwards, and the other team, some of the other players show up, and, and you're buying them around, or they buy you around, or you s- shoot the crap with them and say hi to them, and um, it's what happens 90% now, there is some vicious stuff that, yes, it's hard to forget or, 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 or forgive at all, but uh, 99% of the stuff that happens on the ice stays in the ice, and... Um, you know, Chris and I went and played, you know, the World Championships for Team Canada, played against a lot of guys that we pissed off a lot. And you know what? It was, But we got along with them fine. And, and, and that's just the, that's the beauty of hockey is when you put the same jersey on, you always hear you, you hate playing against a, a guy, but you'd love to have him on your team. And that's kind of the way hockey is. And, and uh, you know, that's just the way it was. When you think about the grind line, and this isn't uh, in no disrespect to Joey Koser, and Darren McCarty, because those guys can kick my butt. <laughs> but I think when people really think of the grind line, I think they really do think of you and Drapes, and that might be because of your relationship Maybe. on and off the ice. I mean, you guys were always paired together, uh, and, and even though you know Joey was there the first couple of years, and and then uh, and then Darren uh, uh, took over, but 
talk about that relationship because you were still trying to find yourself when Lemieux smashed yeah. Draper against the boards. Was there a bonding at that point because of what happened to Drapes? How did how did it come together, or was it just because Scotty decided to put you guys on the same line? <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't even in the lineup that game when that happened. Uh, I was a, it was the game six, and I, he decided to play. I'm not sure who else, but he did. And so I was in. I was watching, and then obviously he saw him on the plane right. and, and and all that. Um, but yeah, like you know, part of my day one coming to the Red Wings is it, it kind of. You know, I kind of filtered towards the the Drapeses and Ozzy and Mac and those guys, and because they're my age and we played at the same time frame in junior and things like that. So, um, and obviously Chris is just a good guy, a great guy. I mean, uh, you know, we, hockey's our lives, and we love hockey. And we're both from Ontario. He's from Toronto. I'm from Cambridge, not far away. Um, and then the following year, again, it wasn't immediate, but it, it was. Scotty kind of put us together. You know, it wasn't really till Joey where we really were together with me and Drapes. And then, like you said, Scott, uh, Joey was there for a couple of years and then Mac. But it wasn't just the line, it was the penalty kill, too. It well, was like, I was going to say that. Yeah. Did the grind line actually, the, the germination was because you guys were the top penalty killing unit yeah. on the Red Wings and you were one of the best units. Yeah. And it's this isn't even people don't even argue about it. They know that you and Drapes together were 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 perhaps the top penalty killing unit in the NHL. Yeah, that was that might have been. I you know I can't really remember every detail from back then, but it's I think I that's, can't yeah I think that's kind of what where it like you said where it germinated from. I think that's where the base of it came from. Uh, for some reason, obviously we got along, but just when we stepped on the ice for penalty killing, we. We, we knew what each it was like we could read each other's mind we knew I knew if Chris was in on the four check which way he was going to go so that I knew that was the way he was trying to filter the puck or or, or something along those right. lines and vice versa and, and we were just very effective and, and like for us to be you know fourth line players or whatever you want to call it um, and Basically, Scotty would start us with the penalty kill and finish us. You know, we would go for 20, 30, 40 seconds, come off. Someone else would go out, and then we would go back out and finish the penalty kill. Uh, on a team that could have thrown Hall, future Hall of Famers out there, um, I think it was something that we, Chris and I took a lot of pride in, and, and we were very, and we felt very fortunate, and we and we wanted that responsibility. So, um, and it just, uh, it just, like I said, it snowballed and putting Joy in there, and and you know, Joy made us maybe a little bit braver, obviously, but um, but. It just we just gelled and on and off the ice and I just think uh, we had a chemistry that it's you just I don't know it was just there from day one. You know, Joey tells a great story when he arrived in Detroit. He thought that he was going to be again one of the Bruce Brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, Bruce Brothers Volume Two, shall we say? <laughs> and Scotty didn't want him to fight. He no. said, "Listen, all you have to do is just." Sit on the bench, <laughs> and, they, and they know that you're there. Yeah. So if anything does happen, then yeah. you can take care of it. But for you, uh, talk because Joey Koser and even Bob Probert, the the the, the Bruce brothers, which were the precursor, I guess, to the grind line in this to a certain way. Uh, these guys were players, though. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that stood apart. You you know, you said you were a fourth liner, but everybody knew that. You know, on other teams, you guys weren't fourth liners, which was the beauty of it. You guys could do anything at any time because you were not just an energy line, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, no, you said it perfectly, though, with Joey. Joey like, that's the thing. They're, they're, and it's no disrespect to a tough guy or whatever you want to call him. Um, 
you know, there are some guys that that's all they are. They're tough guys. And, you know, what they're doing what they have to do or want to do to stay or get to the NHL. Now, obviously, Joey is arguably as one of the toughest guys to, to, to play the game. But he could play the game. He could contribute. I mean, if you want to see a highlight goal in Game 2 against Philadelphia in the finals, he made a, a great deke on, on – uh, uh, or maybe it was Game 1, sorry, against Hextall. Uh, he made a great – he had good hands. He had a good shot. Um, he just happened to be extremely tough as well. So, <laughs> um, but you're right with Scotty. Like I don't think Scott, Scotty didn't want to just throw him over the boards to go fight a guy and then come out, go to the box, come sit on the bench. Um, it was part of the intimidation factor just having him in the lineup. But Joey could jump over the boards and he was not a liability, uh, regardless if he was playing with Chris and I or somebody else. Like Joey could play the game, and and that was the beauty of Joey and why he was able to. You know, I know he left the game there for a brief period of time and then came back with us, but that's why he was able to. He he could play the game. He has hockey smarts, and and he wasn't just a guy with a, a big right, big right hook that could knock somebody out. But um, you know, it it was awesome playing with him because yeah, as physical as physically he was, we could still go out there. And it's not like we, him and Drapes and I were 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 you know sticking out of the puck all over the place, but we could make plays. And like you said earlier in the interview, we could chip in offensively here and there. And 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 then today, if you have a fourth line that can chip in offensively, especially come playoff time that's going to improve your odds of uh, having success in the playoffs. Uh, the, going back to the grind line, the name, um, I think it's been established with, uh, with Drapes and, and Joey that uh, Draper might have come up with the name of the grind line, but Joey was the one who sanctioned it. <laughs> he said he liked it, and that's, how, and that's how it was born. Did you have any say in it at all? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't remember. I, I, I kind of vaguely remember just someone talking about a name or this. I'm like, man, like, come on, you know. And then the next thing you know, the grind line comes up, and the next thing you know, there's a T-shirt made, and I'm like, you know, it just it, it really happened fast. And, um, and you know, and because and we didn't really get put together until – I, you know, it was after Christmas, whether it was in January or late December, whatever. But uh, so it was really the last half of that season in 90, uh, 96, 97. And, and uh, we just, like I was talking about with Chris and I, with our chemistry, but but now we have the three of us, and we just we were just able to go out there and play against anybody, whether it was the other team's fourth line or their first line. Scotty had no qualms putting us in situations that he knew we could succeed in. And, um, one of my, what I think was proof of the pudding where Scotty believed in us a, a million percent was he started us game one in Philadelphia, the Stanley Cup Finals against the Legion of Doom line. You know, at the time, arguably, Eric Lindros, the best player in the right. game. So for me, that was almost like, I didn't need it, but when I, you know, when you have time to reflect on your career and things like, to me, that was a time when I'm like home, like Scotty believed in us a hundred million percent. Like there was no qualms. It was like he he knew we could do the job, and you know, we're not saying we never failed at all, but um, but at the end of the day, he 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 trusted us, and and that was, and as a player, that's what you want. If you have a coach that trusts you, that that builds confidence, and when you're a confident player, you can go out and do things that you're supposed to do. Well, what's interesting about that, the Legion of Doom, because leading up to that. Uh, Vladimir Konstantinov, Vladdy had a thing with Eric Lindros where I think they both delivered checks to one another where they knocked each other out on the ice, basically. I mean, they were still awake, but you could tell that they were in the twilight zone or something. And so leading up to that, that Stanley Cup final in 97, everyone thought, oh, Vladdy and Eric are going to go at it. And what does Scotty do? <laughs> he plays Murph and Nick yeah. against yeah. them, which I think throws them off, which again... Adheres to the strategy. He knows you guys can take care of business up front, yeah. so he puts two guys who control the puck 
uh, you know, are just, you know, they're not the most physical guys, no. and but they're great players, and I think it just kind of threw the Legion of Doom off. Oh, I, I think, you know, for sure. I mean, when you put, when, when you're expecting, when you're an organization and you're going into a series and you've done all these pre-scouts and, and you, 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 obviously you can't predict everything that the team's going to do, but you kind of wouldn't expect that to be the matchup that Detroit was going to go with, a, a defensive right. pairing against the big, bad, nasty Legion of Doom. Um, but the, the beauty of it was where, with us in particular, the forwards, you know, in general, you try and match your lines. You try and match your right. lines. And, and when you can put your fourth line out against the other team's first line, and that team really is leery of putting their fourth line out against the other team's first like now you got to double shift your top line. Right. And now, right. over time, that wears a, a team down. That wears a line down. And then on top of it, with us, like you said, you put Larry and, and Nick out there, and these guys, yeah, they're not physical guys. They're not scared of it by any stretch of the imagination, but they're so smart hockey-wise, so smart with the puck. Um and they knew they didn't have to go tape to tape with us. They could throw it into an area, we'd be on it, we'd be hunting it down, right. or just get it to us, we would get it out, and, and, and you know, just make the other team regroup. So, um, But, yeah, Scotty, those those are the things that Scotty would do, stuff like that that, that you couldn't predict. And, 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 and Scotty was kind of a step ahead in a lot of ways, and that was that was one of them. Right. I know the, always the joke was whenever we would see, I think it was Frank Brown, the NHL official, uh, he would joke that Scotty had – the league office in Toronto and the league office in New York on speed dial because he was always calling yeah. them three or four times a day with improvements to the game. I mean, so he was always thinking hockey. There's, yeah. there's no question about it. Uh, he, he, he was able to establish uh, uh, what, he, what he's told me about, especially that era of Red Wing hockey, is, is that we could play any way you want. Yeah. And we could play it essentially. He doesn't come right out and say this, but we could play it better than you. Yeah. Any way you want to go. Well, that was, and the, the one way there was the Russian five when he put those guys together at times. And it was like, um, I'd be on the bench, and I, like I, my draw. I mean, I got to practice with these guys, but they would do so many regroups against the team during the game, which is which, and the way they did it was unheard of at that time, especially. And and sure as heck, they would regroup and regroup, and then all of a sudden, Vladimir Konstantinov is on a breakaway, and Vladdy never missed breakaways. People don't give Vlad. Everyone remembers Vladdy how hard he hit and how competitive he was, but Vladdy had some skill too like he had some good offensive skill and he he would get a handful of breakaways a year and he would finish them and um but that was the thing like you said it perfectly like scotty knew we could play every different type of way we could play physical and we proved it i mean when it, when it was the russian five when it was the brawl against colorado uh you know we didn't you know, Joey was our tough guy, per se, but we had Marty, we had Shanny. You know, it's the old cliche, team tough, and we were team tough. I mean, right. me and Drapes, you know, we, we, we were tough. We started a lot of stuff. We got involved in a lot of stuff, but we... But you're in there with each other, and you know, yeah, you might take a couple. Play- but at the end of the day, to win a hockey game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, to win a Stanley Cup, taking some punches or slashes or whack, whatever, is more than worth it. Well, you guys were tough, but a lot of your tough was tough talking, though. Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were able oh, to get yeah. you were able to get under the skin. I mean, you know, Darren tells a great story where people would always come up and say, "How can you play with those two guys? <laughs> you know, they're 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 blanks, yeah. you know." And and Darren would say, "Yeah, they're blanks, but they're my blanks, yeah. you know." I mean that, but so but there's an art to that as well. Getting under someone's skin, not through yeah. not only good play or physical play, but also through yeah. just talking no. to them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you know, I, I chirped a lot when I was on the ice, and and um, you know, give the little when I say cheap shots, I you know. 
I never, I would never intend to hurt somebody. But when I do, it'd be like on the line change going off. I'd just give a guy a little whack in the back leg. And you do that over a course of a seven game series, they, they get pissed off. Like it, it's <laughs> annoying after a while. They, they, they get done. And, um, and then like we talked earlier, just you know, I had the shield on because of my eye injury, and um, and 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 so that would just kind of add fuel to the fire. Like why you, you can't play like this if you got a shield? Well, and then it might come up and go, well, it's because of players like you that I have to wear this shield. You know, it, it would just be a, a merry go round of. Of, of just uh, insults and f bombs and this and that and and it, it worked and uh, you know and and at the end of the day when when you can you know especially when it came to Chris and I penalty killing you could frustrate a team where not only didn't they score but maybe they didn't even really get set up in the in the in the zone because we were always just buzzing around uh, and that again adds fuel to the fire and, and then when you throw a team off and frustrate them next thing you know they're taking a penalty and. You know, when we could put the types of power plays out that we could, um, that could be the difference in winning the game. So, uh, I, and I liked it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, everyone loves scoring goals, and I do too. But at the end of the day, I loved ticking off the other team. And I thought it was, and it was, I don't know if I call it a skill, but it was something that I knew who we were playing against and I knew what I could do. Or I wouldn't waste my time against a guy that I knew wasn't going to give me the time of day. And, you know, you still finish your check in that, but I wasn't going to waste any extra energy. But if I knew there was another guy, I would give him the one hit, then I would give him the check, maybe a little punch, and then I'd skate <laughs> away. And sure as heck, he'd two hit me in the back of the legs and get a penalty. So, um, you know, those are the things that you do and you pay the price that way and it pisses the other team off but i like we said earlier too you know i probably chris and i are probably both players that you hate to play against but you'd love to have us on your team right now now chatter i mean it isn't like slap shot where you're take where you it, it seemed in that film and i know that isn't a true representation <laughs> yeah. of hockey although it, it is a great film uh that you're not sitting there talking about getting personal with players or trying to get under their skin that yeah. way, or 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 did you do a little scout report? Or if it was a guy that you might have played with, whether in Edmonton or in juniors or something, yeah. that you would skate up to to try to throw him off and say something like, uh, you know, well, well, you know, well, in the '90s, uh, you know, the, the the internet wasn't what it is today. Right, first of all. right it right. just came in to play, and it was you know the dial up with AOL, and it took forever. So, <laughs> right. um, but uh, but it was. Um, you know, back then, like, guys knew other guys on teams, and they talked, you know, because of being traded or played junior or this or that or whatever it was. So you, dirt always comes out somewhere along the line. Uh, real hardcore personal stuff, I, I really wouldn't want. I didn't, I would never throw that in someone's face unless they did something extremely vicious to me, which, you know, which never really happened that I recall with me personally. Uh, we had a couple players on our team that had some personal things that were in the public's eye or well known and other I, I know other teams definitely took advantage of it and you know you just gotta blow it off and there's not much you can do about it but um, but yeah I mean most most of the trash talking is a lot of just swearing that you can't say in the media or on TV and stuff like that and and, and um, you know, one guy threatening the other. I mean, that's another thing, Chris and I. If we, <laughs> when we played Washington in the finals, they had Chris, uh, Chris Simon, and, and Baruby and Hunter. And if if I had a dollar for every time they threatened to kill me, uh, you know, <laughs> or, or Chris, you know, we wouldn't have had to sign another contract. You know, there's, you know, other times tough guys were like, "This is my last year. I'm not coming back. I, I don't care. I'll take a, a, a 20 game suspension." And we're like, "Oh, he might do it." So we got to be a little careful. But at the end of the day, it's it's it, not, none of it's real rocket science. You know, well thought out. Um, you just go out and play, and sometimes the, the the heat of the moment might get the better of a guy here and there. But um, it's like I said, a lot of stuff happens verbally, physically on the ice, win, lose, whatever. But then you see the guy 
at the bar after and you have a beer with them. I know that we're jumping around a little bit yeah. here, but going back to uh, the rivalry with Colorado, with at that time, uh, you know, and maybe because ESPN completely embraced it too because yeah. they were doing hockey. I mean, they it really became much larger than the NHL. This was yeah. a rivalry. It was must-see TV. Whether you're a hockey fan yeah. or not, when Detroit and Colorado played, yeah. people watched. March 26th. I've said it, I've written about it, I've talked about it for years, uh, and you know certainly you guys, uh, the, the Red Wings themselves uh, back then have addressed it. The moment where the Red Wings became a team, without March 26, does this core group go on to win four Stanley Cups? I, I don't know. You don't know. We'll never know. We did do it, and we won. So, it, and it, you know, it worked out in our benefit. But, uh, you know, it's just it, you're right, though. It did take over the NHL. Well, I think not just our fans in Colorado. I think hockey fans and other organizations were like, we're gonna watch this game tonight. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, it was. We kind of took over from the era of the everyone wanted to watch Probert and Domi fight. You know, right. it was like, you know, sit down and let's watch. But. Um, you know, the game itself, we, and I don't know, unless someone's lying, I don't recall anything ever being said, like, okay, guys, like here and there. They had knocked us out of the playoffs the year before. They had gotten the better of us during the season up until that point. And and, and just when when things started happening between Igor and and, and Forsberg. Of all people. Of all two people. Yeah, right, right. Um, and then Darren obviously getting his punch in and getting Lemieux and then the, the, the Shanny and, and, and Wah and then, Bernie and Wah, and it was just, it, you know, and then just to keep going through the game, I mean, you, you could sit here and talk about that, that just that one incident for an hour, but, and then we got to the final where how Mac didn't get kicked out of the game, to be honest with you, right, but right. he stayed in the game and gets the winning goal in overtime, and, you know, again, no one came in afterwards and said, this is it, we're, we're you know, or, or, because I remember playing them game one in the conference finals that same year, uh, yeah, we were a confident group, we believed we could beat them. And I, from my recollection, in Game One in Colorado, we couldn't have played. I don't think a better game, and we still lost. Like two nothing or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember what it was. And I'm like, holy, like we can't, like we really couldn't play much better. And but we stuck to it. We were still believed in ourselves. And then we won Game Two. Darren got a late breakaway goal on Wah High Glove. And when we won Game Two. It's not like we could guarantee that we're going to win the series, but it was like we're we're going to win this series, and then, you know, but then even still, like we go back home, we win, we win. I forget what game three was, game four, we blew them out six nothing. Come back to Colorado, they blow oh, us out six nothing, right. and then it's a tight game in game six to for us to win and move on and play Philly in the finals. So, um, and then obviously, we were. We were very equal teams, us in Colorado. They had a ton of skill, high-end skill, great goaltending like we did. Um, and, and so it was a lot of fun. And, and I think I think even when the next year's schedule came out and we saw we were like, oh, man. This, and no, and no, like even when Lemieux lined up against Mac the next year and fought him right off the gate. Mac even, I think, said he goes, he wasn't ready for it. He didn't realize Lemieux was really going to do it. Um, but that like there was never another plan. The, the next fight with Ozzy. Right, right, I right. was on the ice for that one. And and so there was never like uh, premeditation of what was going to happen. It was just like, we know we're going to have our hands full. This could be a very physical game, a like, highly skilled game, low skill, whatever. Uh, we just knew it was going to be great hockey. And to be a part of that, like I said, looking back in my career, to be a part of a series of not just one year, but like that was over a span of a few years, it was, uh, it was awesome. When you win a cup in 97, we all know the, the limo accident story. Yeah. 98 comes about. 
was it a different mindset? Uh, not so, you know, rally behind Vladdy, Sergey. I mean, Fatisov ended up playing, but yeah. I, but I, I'm kind of curious because I've talked to you know players throughout the years, and and some guys tell me we were. We didn't care where we finished in the standings. Yeah. We knew we were going to make the playoffs. We just wanted the playoffs to begin. And other players have said, no, no, we were focused during the regular season as well. Uh, it, it, it wasn't just all about the playoffs for us. Where were you, what was your mindset like, and what effect did that have uh, on you, not on a personal level and then as yeah. a player? Well, on a personal level, with I mean, it was just a horrible, I mean, you, 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 it's easy to, it's easy to, to pick on players or bad mouth players and call them stupid or or this or that when <laughs> right. they go out and drink and drive and and crash and kill somebody or, or or hurt somebody or just themselves or whatever and you never wish any of that to happen obviously but when you do the right thing we did the right thing and we got vehicles to take care of us to get from the golf course to where we we're going for dinner to meet our wives and girlfriends and still that happens um you know, it, it was just, it was devastating. I mean, the fact that, I mean, only Vladdy would would have, if that would have been anybody else that got hurt as bad, bad as Vladdy did, I don't know if they make it. Vladdy's will and determination as a human being is what has got him to where he is today. And and, and I, I, it's just, it's it's just an awful thing. And, and I, I know, you know, it's been beat to death and talked about. Right. But it's just, when you do the right thing, you, you'd like to think you're going to, you reap the benefits of it, which is just you're going to be safe and, and move on to where you're going to go and get home safely and go to bed and, and see your family. So, but from a personal standpoint, I was still a young guy. I was, you know, nine, I was only like 24, 25 years old. Um, you know, we just won the Stanley Cup. We just dealt with a horrible accident. Um, we're coming in. We still got a great team. We, we know. So you got to just kind of focus and move forward and, and, and keep going. Um, we knew we were going to make the playoffs, like you said. I think we had some trials and tribulations through the course of the year. It was, you know, we weren't great, but we weren't bad. But right. Scotty, you know, Scotty, you know, you know, we, Scotty kept us on our toes, and that was the beauty of Scotty. He, he not only just won the Stanley Cup with us, but he that was I don't know what number for him, but he wasn't satisfied either. So he he kept us on our toes. We made a few other more moves uh, trade wise and added some pieces and and. And I, I, I do believe, I don't know if we got off to the greatest start that year. I can't remember, but um, but we were focused. I, and it, part of it was when you were in, in the Joe and we looked at the stall where Vladdy's stall was and we had the believe sign. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't just about doing it for Vladdy, but it was like, you know, at the end of the day when we won and we were able to put that cup in Vladdy's lap on the ice in Washington and watch it. Like, that was, like, that was just unbelievable emotionally like it was it was just to, to have Vladdy there and be able to do that and we almost had to when we were in the dressing room and drinking out of the cup we had to kind of pull it away from Vladdy you know he was chugging <laughs> the champagne so but it was just it was just such a roller coaster ride emotionally with, with what had happened and winning the Stanley Cup and you know it's a short summer to be you know when you do go that far and and things like that that um but i think just with the personnel that we had in the dressing room and the head coach that we had i think uh, in general, as an organization, as a team, we, we kept we managed to keep it pretty even keel, and I think that's a big reason why we were able to, to go and win that that back to back cup. Uh, I, I we're running out of time. I yeah, want to no get problem. into into the Red Wings uh, of today and what and what your job is with Detroit. But I do have to say this: uh, we'll have to talk about the 2008 Stanley Cup at a, 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 at another time. But in 2002, uh, I was traveling with the team at that point back then during the playoffs and. 
I rem the 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 Western Conference Final. I think was the best hockey I've ever seen in my life between you and Colorado. I, I don't know how many games went over time. You lost most of those. <laughs> yeah. I think three of them did. Uh, Frederick Olison, yeah. of all people, scores a goal in Colorado in overtime that, that obviously the Red Wings win. But I remember going back to Colorado for game six, yeah. which turned out to be you know, Darren scores on Waugh again, who he owned in the playoffs. It's the Statue of Liberty goal, or look <laughs> yeah, what I've got, yeah. Patrick Waugh, with, with Brendan and Sergey both pouncing on the puck. Brendan getting there beforehand. But I remember being on the bus driving to the hotel. Mm -hmm. And this was back before. I don't even know if I had a cell phone back then. Maybe <laughs> I did. But I know that you faced elimination. Yeah. This was a, a elimination. I know that the, the playoffs, Vancouver, didn't start off well, but you yeah. got your acts together, and and then you know St. Louis, you took care of rather easily, uh, and, and and then you're playing Colorado. You would ultimately play Carolina in that in that final. But my point being is is that is that the resolve that I could see, I've never quite, I and mean, you could feel it. There was no, and I can remember. Talking to my friends back in Detroit, saying, "Man, what are the wings going to do? Man, yeah. what are the wings going to do?" I mean, Colorado's really good, and they're on the road. I said, "I was all hyped up so much so that Steve Eiserman told me to calm down <laughs> that you had it, but you did have it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 to this day, I was so amazed that you could just feel." The confidence. No one said anything. It was yeah. quiet. Oh, and no, you, yeah. you know, 100%. but you guys just took care of business. I mean, yeah. when you face elimination, I love saying this. I mean, you you actually defeated them by a combined score of what seven, uh, eight, nothing, or something, nine, nothing, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, no. And we knew we had to play one of, if not our best, one of our best games in that game six there. And we did. We played a very solid game. We got great goaltending. We were, you know. The, but they got the same thing. I mean, they have Patrick Wall, you know, who was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know. Right. So, so we knew we were going to be in for a, a, like an extremely. We're in hostile territory in their in their arena. Um, but yeah, like, but I think all the things that happened during the course of our our careers and the years, you know, starting from before I got here, the '95 loss to to Jersey, winning it or losing to Colorado, winning it back to back, the car accident, just all the stuff that accumulates over your career, that's what you feed off of uh, your experience. You don't panic. You, you've been there before. You've done it. I, I remember, and I don't read a lot of books, so I remember as a kid I read Wayne Gretzky's book, and um, one of the things I remember that I always remembered his was they lost the cup. And they had to walk by the Islanders' dressing room. And they're like, oh, man, they're going to be hooting and hollering and, you know, champagne falling. And he, I don't know who he said he was walking with, but they walk by, they look, and they were ice bags. They might have been having a beer or something, but they were ice bags on their knees and their shoulders and wherever. And they were happy, but they weren't. And he's like, man, he goes, that's – and he goes, that's – and he, I don't know the line exactly, but it was more or less he's like, I now we know what we have to do. Like, we got to pay the price. And – and and you you learn and the the old saying is you got to lose before you can win and all this fun stuff but um, but yeah that that series against Colorado that game in particular um, it, it was anxious it was nerve it was everything it was all the emotions and then to win and then now we know we're coming back home we know it's not a guarantee but then to have the outcome in Game Seven uh, right I mean in early on you guys no just took control have, of that no one could have even dreamt that that would have happened but um, but yeah at the end of the day it. 
that's why, you know, part of my career is obviously winning the Stanley Cups are great memories, getting to represent my country, uh, the players that I played with, coaches played for, the fans, the arena, like all that stuff. But then on top of that is like the Colorado games. Like the, right. those, you know, I call it series, like the, through those handful of years, I don't know what it was, like seven, eight years, where it was, you know, basically between us, them, Jersey and Dallas like one of those four teams were going to win the Stanley Cup there year right. in and year out and and it was just a great it was just great hockey and then and, and I loved playing it and I was very fortunate to be a part of it let's fast forward uh, you're now I professional scout is is yeah. that pro scout pro yeah. scout yeah. For, for the Detroit Red Wings yeah. I know the other day at the rink you were, were, were telling me I didn't know that you're actually assigned what seven teams that you scout not only the big club, the NHL yeah. team, but also their minor league affiliates. Yeah, yeah. So you get, you know, we all we have five of us that do the pro scouting, which is for uh, trades and free agency. All you know, that's basically what our job is, and and we each get assigned teams. So I have seven teams, uh, like you said, and I get their minor league team, so total of fourteen teams, and you just watch and watch and watch and do reports and. We will have our midwinter meetings, and everyone kind of comes in. We put lists together for trade deadline possibilities, future free agents in the summer, that that coming summer. And then you kind of branch out a little bit, and you will do some overlapping with other teams. So you, everyone kind of has an opinion on a free agent or a player that maybe we're going to trade. Because, you know, the more the more info you can grab on a player, the better. So, uh, But, yeah, it's uh, I love it. I love being part of the Detroit team still. You know, I, I, you know even though I was drafted by Edmonton and played there in their organization for four years, I consider myself a, a Red Wing through and through, and, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I want to get back to where we were. Uh, I want us to be in the playoffs. I want us to be a contender again. And, you know, between what we do on the pro side for trades and free agents, you know, we equally have the, the amateur stuff for the draft to, to build the organization up. So it's a work in process, especially the way the league is working now with the salary cap and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I think we have a lot of good pieces. We just got to kind of get going in the right direction and I don't think it's going to be as 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 uh as long of a uh, of a brutal run as maybe some of their organizations have had it or what some people may think we might have well, I, yeah I've, over the years I've seen you know the pro scouts up there what are you writing I mean, I've seen some guys have elaborate sheets yeah. where they have line combinations or what the power play is and yeah. all these kind of notes. And some guys who might as well be drawing a smiley yeah. face yeah. on their yeah. sheet. Well, no, well, you know, back in the day, I think the pro scout would do a lot of the pre-scouting. But today with technology, the Internet, you, you know, the video people that work for the team, they, they record, they break it down on the other team. So, so a lot of the, the, the advanced scouting is not... As, as, as much there or as important by the scouts. So now you just focus on the team. So, for instance, if I go watch Chicago play and they're one of my teams, uh, you know, you just you have their lineup in front of you and you just make notes and you make notes. Now, you can't, it's hard to judge, uh, you know, a player, especially a young player, on one game. So that's why you got to see over the course of the year, you see the team five, six, seven times. And you're trying to, you know, seeing how they're developing and uh, or, or what a player does. And, and I got told, well, why can't you just watch it on TV? Which you can to a certain degree, but when you watch it on TV, the TV follows the puck. There's a lot of intangibles that happen right. that are off the, the the TV screen that the camera's not watching. You know, a guy gets hit hard. Does he get up and get back in the play? Does he dog it? Does he? You know, it's just little things that you kind of you make little mental notes, and and sometimes it's not just about whether a guy can take a puck and go coast to coast and score a goal. There's a lot of other things that you you, you look for. I mean, the league's too good for a guy to do that on a general basis. So, um, but yeah, at the end of the day. It's a lot of just 
you, your own organization you got to build within. Uh, trades and, and free agents aren't what it used to be, but um, you know you, you, you hope that maybe you just find that one guy that maybe a team gives up on a year too early or something, and you give him a chance, like we did with Dan Cleary. Dan Cleary came right. in on us with a PTO. Uh, he signs a contract, you know, and then the next thing, within two years or so, he's he's one of the main cogs in our in our lineup. So um, it's hard because every team has the same tools. All the teams are in Europe now, so it's harder to find those gems over there. And uh, but it's just it's it's a grind. Uh, it's a grind. Just go watch games. You know, you called him Dan Cleary, I called him Dan Cleary. <laughs> then he became Danny Cleary, and now he's Daniel Cleary. So, yeah. and I want him. Ne- I want him to be on the. I want to try to catch up with him and have him on one of the podcasts up here in Traverse City because now he is part of the Red Wing organization. Uh, what is it? Is it Dan, <laughs> Daniel, or Danny? Well, I call him Clears. Yeah, right, right. Or if I, like I just said with you, Dan, uh, <laughs> or his nickname is Bear, which I don't even know why it's called Bear, but that was kind of when he first came here. So uh, I refuse to call him Daniel, and I'm not going to call him Daniel because he's changing. You know, it's just like I was. I grew up a Blue Jay fan, and Manny, uh, oh, man, uh, Emmanuel Lee, I think it was, and he wanted to be, the next year he comes in, I want to be called Manny. I'm like, what? Like, it just makes no sense. But it is what it is. <laughs> clears, I think, just clears, clears just does stuff just to get guys, people going and talking about. And uh, But it's good that he's still part of it. Well, there's a couple of things that, you know, he and Sean Horkoff have great hair. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I never I, knew that the Clears had that that had a hair while he was a player. Yeah, no, Clears is, uh, yeah, and he and he he's a fashionable guy. He's on top of all the, the new trends or whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, him and him and Hork go back a long way from their Edmonton days. So they're, they're really good friends still uh, to this day. So they're going to kind of be, uh, they're going to work in tandem and uh, and hopefully develop some of these it, young kids. Right, in player development. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of digressing here, but let's go back to uh, uh, do you get called in the office one day maybe it's Kenny or something and I'm not going to do my Ken Holland impression or you know he's sitting there with Jimmy D it's like the hierarchy of the Red Wings and and they say to you Maltz we're thinking about getting so and so from Minnesota I think is one of your teams Uh, uh, specifically for the next week we want you to go and I don't care what is happening on the ice you're glued to this one guy well it's not quite to that you know that way but kind of is i guess uh you know we've had a couple like that's kind of the point of our of our um our midwinter meetings we we go in we talk about all well now 30 other 30 teams 31 total right um we'll we'll go in we 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 kind of break down every team roster and we and we you know interest no interest this that i mean you know there's not a whole lot to talk about when you go to Chicago and you talk about Kane and Taves. I mean, what am I going to tell you that you wouldn't even already know about those guys? So, right. so, but you break down and then then we put lists together of whether it's a free agent list, a trade list. You know, obviously Kenny gets phone calls from GMs all the time. Uh, you know, so and so may be on the block if we're not here. Are you interested? Yes or no? And if that is the same Minnesota, so. So he would do it to me. He would ask me about him. I would give him my two cents, but then he'd be like, you know what, let's try and see over the next two weeks, try and see these guys at least three or four times. But then he would also say to the other scouts, try and, you know, those guys, go see Minnesota at least once or twice and get, you know, get opinions on this guy. Get every, get the more information you want. So, you know, you don't have to call me into the office to do it. He'll over the phone or Mark Howe, who's the head pro guy, pro scout for us, he'll call He'll call Mark and say, Mark, have your guys see so-and-so uh, over the next couple of weeks as much as they can, you know, possibility there could be something happening. Now, in today's game with the salary cap and, and you have to worry about that, it's, it's a lot harder to do those big deals. Um, but 
you know, Chicago's managed to pull a few of them off. Uh, Nashville's pulled a few of them off. So um, you you just got to know when 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 there's a player on the available that's available or going to be available that you want or like, you got to you make sure that. You know, when you're dealing with multi-multi-million-dollar deals in a salary cap area, you can't afford to make a big mistake. No, you can't. But one of the interesting things you said: not only do you have the seven, who are the seven teams that you? <laughs> we might as well. Yeah, I always got to remember. But it's uh, I got St. Louis, Chicago, Minnesota, Columbus, Nashville, Dallas, and Colorado. Whoa! Wow! So you're yeah. So kind of middle of America. But, but the good thing is, Colorado's the hardest one. But Dallas is good because you got Dallas there. Their farm team is in Austin and. Colorado's farm team is in San Antonio, so I have three teams in Colorado, or in uh, da- in Texas. In Texas. Uh, you know, Chicago's great because I got the the Blackhawks, the the Chicago Wolves. Chicago's farm team is in Rockford, and then Nashville's is in uh, is in Milwaukee. So that's all a pretty good area. Cleveland, Columbus are relatively close. St. Louis and Nashville's not too far. Minnesota's not too bad either. They're a Delta hub, so Delta and Detroit. Right. So yeah, that yeah. there's lots of play. So it's not too bad for me. The hardest one for me is 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 Colorado. And you know what do they say? If you if if you if you want to have a change of weather, go to Colorado because it'll change on a whim uh, in Denver, and and it it has. And I've gotten delayed on a regular basis going in and out of there. But they're one of my teams. You gotta you, like I said, you got like right now. And I'm I'm not trying to throw a rumor out there saying we're getting Steve or not Steve Duchesne. Uh, uh, Duchesne out of there. Oh, uh, oh the the the, the uh, uh, yes, the uh, Matt Duchesne. Yeah, yes, yes. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, obviously, the rumors in NHL that he's getting traded sooner or later. Well, they keep telling us I, he's exactly. getting traded, right? But that's my point. But that, but that, I'm, and again, I'm not saying he's on our radar because. <laughs> Whoa, the Wings are getting Duchesne. Thanks, Malt. Yeah, Red so, one authority making news. But that would be a player or a type of thing, like where Ken would say, "Everyone, go see this player. Go see this player. Go see this player." So, um, but. No, we're we're it's uh, at least if we are, I, I don't know about it right now. So, uh, but uh, it is what it is. Well, quickly, you, you, because you do go to the AHL affiliates, is there a player that you've seen maybe out of nowhere that you will call up whomever whomever it is, whether it's Mark Howe or Ken or Drapes or whomever, and say, look, so and so is a pretty darn good player. I know that we're weak in this area. Maybe we should inquire about. Well, him. it's hard during the course of the year because you have a roster. You're like depending on our situation, like you're only allowed so many contracts, and like I said, if you trade for a guy or want to bring a guy in, you got to give something to get them. It's too. all numbers now, so too, right? Yeah. But a lot of that kind of stuff does happen, but it's more or less at our midwinter meetings when we break down the teams and we put lists together, and we're like, okay, this guy's contract expires at the end of this year, like, or he's been up and down this year, and next year he has to clear waivers to go down. If they put him on waivers to go down because he doesn't quite make the team yet. This is a guy we definitely might want to put a, 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 a you know a request in on the waiver wire to get. So it's it does happen. It's harder for it to happen these days, but a lot of that stuff does happen at the time of of uh, our midwinter meetings. Do you like being a scout? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it's sort of like being yeah. a player still, right? Because you're traveling, you're just not yeah. playing the game. Yeah, no. The, the the hard part is the travel. Uh, for me, it's easy sitting up in the press box and critiquing. I mean, I haven't had a bad <laughs> game yet. So, uh, but it's uh, you sit up there, you watch games, you do your the hard part is the traveling, you know, getting from city to city, uh, especially when the weather doesn't cooperate and, uh, you know, you're either driving or flying, you get delayed or whatever. So, uh, but no, I love it. And I love being part of the organization. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're not where we want to be, but, I, uh, you know, you want to be a big part of it. And I know you love the Red Wings as much as I do and, and a lot of people do. So it's 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 not the best of times for us right now, but, I, you know, you want to, like, it's going to be, you know, very, very, um, 
warming and, 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 and when the, the organization kind of makes the turn. And hopefully it starts as early as this year. I'm not saying we're going to contend for the Stanley Cup this year, but I think if we can get those guys to bounce back and have years, at least come close to years that we've expected a few of the guys to have uh, that were down last year, I, I think we'll be going in the right direction. Yeah, but what's interesting, and, uh, and I know you said you don't think the rebuild, shall we say, and I know that's yeah. not a, a word that... Uh, Especially when you look at all the Detroit professional teams, it all seems that maybe not the Lions, but they're all constantly rebuilding. But, you know, each team is in flux right now, yeah. let's say, yeah. professional, yeah. professional teams in Detroit. Yet the Red Wings have been an organization that have always kind of gotten the job done, have, have, have laser focus on what players, what style they want to play. Uh, Dana Wakiji, my colleague yeah. at, uh, at DetroitRedWings.com, we had to write these things by the numbers. And I was talking to a Red Wing official, and I said, you know, except for two or three guys, virtually everybody had a down yeah. year. And yeah. that was, that's, and I'm not trying to make excuses, oh, no, but no. that's like really almost yeah. impossible to do to yeah. have really the team take a collective dive in yeah. a way. I mean, each player. Yeah. Just did not duplicate yeah. what the, the the expectation level, and, it, and it's a hard way to do business with your fingers crossed, hoping that they're going to bounce back. You know, that's right, a tough right. way to, to go into a year. But you you know, when 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 players have done it, and they get rewarded with a contract, like they've done it. It's not because right. they just did it for one. They've done it for a couple years, and like you said, though the the. the the big question is that it was a kind of a collective dump this past year. <laughs> right, right, right. So hopefully it's going to be a collective coming back out of it. And whether they get back to where they were or, or just playing better in general. Because uh, we just, it just you know, when, when guys, some guys are playing good, the other guys are playing poor. When other, we got good goaltending, we couldn't score. We got scoring, we couldn't get goaltending. You know, Jimmy Howard was lights out. He gets hurt. Peter had a tough year. I mean, so so you just hope all the, you know, we're going to have injuries. Those it's, it's inevitable. And it's up to guys to pick up the slack when they're is an injury. We just need the guys as a whole to get back to where they were uh, a couple years or so ago. Um, everyone's on the same page. We've had some change. I know, I know Blash has been here a couple years now, but when you've had a guy like Mike Babcock for 10 years, I mean, th there's certain things. It just takes time. And, and everyone says that Blash is kind of a clone of Babs, but Blash is his own coach. He's, he coaches right. differently. He's a different person than Babs. And, and, and so I, I just really hope as a collective group um, you know, missing the play, it's a big deal. I mean, personally, I didn't want to be around when it, when it happened, uh, you know, 25 years. Uh, but it was going to happen eventually. And and I, I would hope that there's a lot of pride in that dressing room and a lot of character in that dressing room that says they're pissed off that they were part of the team that, that missed the playoffs after 25 years. And hopefully they all had great summers in the gym working out and, and are, are coming into the season hungry. Trevor Daly should help on the blue line. Luke Witkowski yeah, yeah. is going to be a versatile guy. Yeah. He can play D. He can go up on the wing. Uh, is the key Jimmy staying healthy and Peter working himself out of this yeah. malaise that he's been in for about a year and a half? Well, like football, you know, right or wrong, you know, good or bad, goaltending is a huge part. Like in football, quarterback is right. a huge thing. So, and in Detroit, those are always the <laughs> big. You know, right. you know as well as I right, do. So, right. um, Part of it, yeah, for sure. I mean, the guy's got it, but you can't just rely. Like, I wasn't at the game early in the year where Jimmy played in, in New York against the Rangers, and we won, I think, one nothing. And I talked to Drapes, and he said, 
there's no rhyme or reason we should have won that game. The only reason we did was because of Jimmy Howard. I think it was an NBC Sunday night Could've game. Could have been, yeah. I, I wasn't there, but and you can't have you can't rely on your goalies to play like that every game. That's not yeah. a, that's not a recipe for winning either. But right. but when Jimmy went down, and and I'm not saying anything that no one knows about. Peter had an up and down year. He struggled this year. So again, like I said, hopefully he had a good summer. Hopefully he worked hard. He's you know comes into training camp with a fresh mind and works hard and does things that he and Jeff Slako, our goalie coach, feel they need to work on to, to tighten things up. Uh, when you have to score four or five goals to win a game in the NHL, that's a tough way to win games. So there's no finger pointing by any stretch of imagination because our forwards, they were just as guilty. Our defense were just as guilty at times. And as a group in general, I think everyone was guilty. So it's... Um, you know, adding adding Trevor Daly, like you said, not only is he a veteran guy, he's coming off winning back-to-back Stanley Cups. I, I hopefully that'll bring he'll rub some stuff off on, on some of our younger guys, forwards and defense. He, he and he'll add some stability. I know he's on maybe not in the peak of his career, but he's a veteran guy that can still skate, and I think he'll come in and help solidify it a little bit. Like you said, Luke Luke Wachowski is a guy that can play forward and D. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be our tough guy, but he, he he'll bring that that uh, element to the game as well so um, and again I, I just think if it was me personally coming to camp being on the team from last year I would come in with a bit of a chip being pissed off that we you know broke the streak and it's now let's start a new streak and I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs this year I'm not saying we're going to go to the Stanley Cup finals in five years I'm just saying we got to get this thing going back in the right direction and and I think the motivation is there I think we have a lot of great pieces there uh and that's a work always a work in progress so we'll see what happens all right one final question <laughs> there we go <laughs> I just did that for you yeah. but, but truly one final question uh do you miss it? Do you? Do you? I, I, I know as much as you might want to be out yeah. on the ice. Father Time unfortunately oh, yeah. catches up with all of us. But yeah. how much do you miss not being a player? Well, the first year was really tough for me. Uh, the first year was, you know, you wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out there. It's all fresh. You know, you, when you play, and especially I was very fortunate to play for such a long time. The routine, I like. I knew my routine like the back of my hand. I it was my family knew my routine. My friends knew my routine. Like it was like game day was game day. Schedule was this and that. Um, do I miss it? Uh, uh, yeah, of course you do. You miss being around the guys. I, that's one reason why when you ask me if, about liking scouting and I, I love it because I'm still in the game. I'm still right. with and I'm still with the team that I want to be with. And uh, I, I love being a part of it. You you have the meetings. You get to go to the games. I still know. I played with a few of the guys still, but you know, go down to the dressing room and talk to the guys and be. So you, I'm still around it, like you said, Father Time and, and, and maybe a few too many bad meals. I know I can't play these di- today. Uh, so you talk to Lisa a lot? Does uh, she, does she no, get... I stay away from her because she'll just give me a tongue lashing every time I see her. <laughs> but you know, we do the charity game up here in training camp on Saturday. We do a fun charity game and it, and and it gets a little competitive. So that's a lot of fun and doing things like that. I try to get out with the alumni when I can, which isn't very often, but. Um, I love the game of hockey. It's what I know. It's what I've done my entire life. And to be, not just to have had the career that I had playing, but to still be able to be a part of the NHL and the Detroit Red Wings and, and on a daily basis, um, I am very privileged and honored to be a part of it. And so do I miss it? Yes. Do I know I can't play? Yes anymore, but, uh, but I'm still a part of it. This is the final. <laughs> this is the That's final right, yeah. This is Groundhog Day. It'll go on forever, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Ontario. Yep. Very close. Obviously, Canada south of the United States, yeah. the only place where Windsor is actually, yeah. uh, you know, south of Detroit, <laughs> which is south Detroit. 
is Ontario really the 51st state of the United <laughs> States? Because <laughs> it sure seems like it every yeah. time I'm there. Well, I, it could very well be just because you got the Buffalo border too on the <laughs> right, other side right, there. Right. So, or New York, I should say Buffalo, but Buffalo's right there. But, um, you know, I grew up a Leaf fan, unfortunately, but Ooh. it is what it is. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, I never came to the States as a kid, as a family in hockey. We never traveled outside of Canada, outside of Ontario, let alone Canada. So, but yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of great people from Windsor too, and uh, you know we got there's our share of Red Wing fans there. Then there's a share of, of the Leaf fans as well. But it makes for a great atmosphere when they come to the arena because uh, even though they've got their their high powered uh, players from being so poor over the years. Um, it's it's still just a lot of fun to be around, and uh, and Ontario is a great, obviously a great hockey state or hockey province. <laughs> see, well, there slash, you go. See, so it is slash it is. state. So you know, maybe it's like fifty and a half. <laughs> I, I, obviously, I, I love Canada. I've been going there my whole life, yeah. but I have never felt like I was in a different country when I'm in Ontario. Oh, yeah, for Other sure. provinces of Canada, yeah. I know that I'm not in the United States. Well, I'll tell you this: I I, I grew up in my hometown, Cambridge, Hesper, Ontario. I should say Hesper but it's Cambridge on the map, and, and uh, I grew up there. Uh, when I went to Edmonton, I always came back. When I first came to Detroit, I always went back in the summers, and I, I always thought, I never even questioned or thought that there would be a day where I would never, when I'm done playing, live my the rest of my life out in my hometown. And I've been living full-time in 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 uh, east of, east side of, well 20 minutes east of Detroit for the last uh, 16 going on 17 years now so it's my home it's where I, lo- I love it because like you said there's so many similarities between Ontario and Michigan and and I've met a great number of people you know the fans and friends people that I've met the organization uh, and I, I love it it's a great it's a great sports town in general it's a great city for I, I it's amazing still to this day how many people just come up and say thanks for what you did and I mean I'm going into my eighth year being retired and it's like wow people just they they love their athletes they love you know and obviously I was a part of a, a great portion of, of success um, so that helps obviously right. um, but I don't know man I might have to move back for a year to to Ontario if the Lions are to ever win the Super Bowl because I it's going to be crazy. So, But it'll be a lot of fun, but it'll be crazy. All right. Kurt Malpe, I knew, I, I told everyone, once I sit down with, with Maltz, we're going to, it's going to be the longest podcast ever because yeah. we can just go on and on and yeah, on. No, it's fun. Uh, I'm going to end it here because you're obviously going to be a guest on future sure, episodes yeah. of the Red and White Authority. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know it, our, our schedules were kind of, we were all over the board. I, I hopefully I didn't hound you too nope, much to get this good. done, but uh, but uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've, I've known you for a long time. I admired you not only as a player but as a person. And uh, uh, thank you very much for being on the Red and White Authority. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.